Hey, we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? Uh, it's a little late here. Kind of tired, but excited. Yeah, you'll <laughs> you'll excuse us, guys. It's pretty late around here. We're still in Germany, and we had a we had a pretty uh, long week of uh, work and uh, jumping around all of Munich for the uh, IAA show. But uh, it uh, it brought us a lot of information to bring to you guys. So that's uh, that's a positive aspect to it. So we're going to jump into it in just a second. But this week's episode of the Electric Podcast, it's brought to you by Electrify America, uh, the largest public network of fast charging station in the US. So we're going to have a little bit more to talk about them later on in the show. Stay tuned for that. And, but uh, let's start in with, uh, with the very beginning, basically, of the um, IA Mobility Show, which... Uh, was kind of Mercedes. Uh, we had the first uh, big press conference. It was actually on on Sunday, right before the show opened, and um, they had a lot to announce. Like they really, uh, they really used the show as much as they could to uh, to unveil a lot of electric vehicles, which was the goal of the show, really. So th- there's, we reported on four main vehicles that it was unveiled there, and they they are kind of different. Some are concepts, some are actual production cars. And uh, so we're a little bit more excited about these, like the EQE, which we already knew a lot about, uh, basically an E-class uh, electric, all electric vehicle, very similar to what the EQS is to the S-class, the EQE is to the E-class, uh, very solid vehicle. Um, I mean, in terms of the actual exterior design of the production version, I would even argue that it looks better than the EQS. Um, I, I really love the concept that they have for the EQS and then the production version. I think they tone it down just a, a little bit too much. And uh, this, this is uh, more like it, though. A lot of people have complained about the front end a little bit, but uh, I'm not one of those. Yeah, that was my reaction too. Uh, I, I, my first reaction was this EQE doesn't, doesn't look any worse than the EQS. And, you know, the EQS is obviously the flagship. So, uh, you know, Mercedes wants to differentiate a little bit and the EQE and the EQS are very similar in terms of both looking very nice. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with the E-Class, the, the, the vehicle is a little bit smaller than the S-Class segment, uh, don't, so smaller than the EQS. Uh, it's uh, it's similar in size. It's actually a little bit smaller in size than the, than the E-Class, but if you go from the inside, uh, you have more space. And that's obviously because of the advantages that an electric powertrain will bring you. Uh, they, they went with the same EQ technology with the skateboard-like uh, design. And, uh, and and it's been quite successful. Interior, everything you're going to get used to. And the higher-end version of the of the Mercedes, of course, E-Class is also in the higher-end. Uh, you still have that hyper-screen that uh, we've become familiar with the latest Mercedes. And uh, you have the option of having this uh, just... Uh, instrument cluster one and the center display and then the optional passenger display here and we talked a little bit with uh, the head engineer of the of the program of both the eqe and eqs and he said some interesting things because that i wasn't even aware about that um in china starting in china and soon in europe you're actually going to be able to play videos on that screen of the passenger screen here which, uh, of course, has always been kind of a, a, an issue in terms of uh, uh, driver's attention. But since the Mercedes has made some advancement in terms of driver monitoring system, where they can actually track the driver's attention, which obviously they developed more for the driver assist system, which now is achieving level three. 
in the S class and soon in the in the EQS uh, as soon as next year. Now they can tell if the driver is actually looking at that <laughs> that screen on the on the right side here, which looks like it's part of the same screen, but it's actually really like a separate display within that giant piece of glass. And uh, apparently, it's going to be legal in China and next year in uh, Europe, where you're going to be able to play video, uh, video games, movies, streaming, whatever. And uh, the passenger is going to be able to enjoy that while the driver is driving. Uh, the games they had so far weren't terribly amazing. They had like Tetris <laughs> and, you know, Snake. It was basically if your Nokia had it uh, 10 years ago, <laughs> Mercedes has it at the moment. Yeah, I would assume that uh, there's going to be some over-the-air software update that's going to address that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It was it was quite limited in our in our own testing of it. Um, so with the smaller with the smaller frame, you you get the smaller battery pack. And in the EQS, I think the 106 or so 108 kilowatt hour, something around that. Uh, it's 90 kilowatt hour for the for the EQE uh, charging 104. Oh yeah, by the way, the, that that. Uh, uh, that 90 kilowatt hour battery pack is good for um, what they say over f- uh, 400 miles, 660 kilometers. Uh, that's WLTP, but uh, EPE should get really pretty close to 400 miles for that car. Which uh, we we know that uh, uh, Mercedes has been investing heavily into aerodynamic performance. Yep. They uh, didn't reveal the drag coefficient of the EQE like they did for the EQS, but we would assume that it's uh, it's very good too. Uh, DC fast charging is capped at 170 kilowatt, um, which is pretty decent for for that that speed. It's not, of course, top of the line, but uh, uh, not bad either. Uh, in terms of pricing, they didn't announce anything yet, even though they are launching the production version. Uh, the, of course, it's going to hit the European market in the coming months, and uh, we expect the US next year. Uh, the E class starts at 55, uh, based on the pricing of the EQS. Uh, versus the S class, which was quite enough similar. Uh, we expect similar thing happening with the EQE, sorry, and the E class version. All right, the other production version car uh, was the EQB, which, um, you know, Mercedes lineups is starting to get pretty extensive. Um, top down, we have the EQS, then the uh, EQE for the sedans, and uh, for the SUVs. Of course, you can always argue whether it's an SUV, but uh, you, you started with the EQC, and then they unveiled the EQA earlier this year, the production version. And now in between the two, you have the EQB, uh, which is the, the GLB um, equivalent for, for, for his lineup. So Mercedes has been kind of consistent on that front, like launching in every segment an equivalent vehicle uh, with the holotric powertrain power, power using the, uh, EQ, the EQ uh, uh, electric architecture. Uh, in terms of specs here for the EQB, uh, we're talking about a 66.5 kilowatt hour battery pack, 100 kilowatt of charging, uh, WLTP standard. They're talking about 419 kilometers of range, uh, which uh, should translate to more than uh, 217 miles of range on uh, the EPA standard. And uh, all of that is about the version that they're launching right now which is the base version uh so you, you only have is it a front wheel drive on this one i was uh yeah front axle um oh no okay now this one is uh, is all wheel drive okay so so they're launching an all-wheel drive small battery pack 
And in the future, they're going to have a bigger battery pack and also an option for a single motor, which is likely going to be a longer range version uh, altogether with those combined. So uh, still look out for that. I would assume that that should match uh, the US launch too, because uh, we know that uh, European automakers have been kind of reticent about launching a shorter range vehicle on the US market. But um, it's... Uh, it- <laughs> We, we, we've seen it in person. I mean, I, I like the design. It's it's a beautiful car. Uh, I think in the specs, because uh, this is for Mercedes, this is going to be their Model Y competitor, really. This is, uh, in, in terms of size, it's the, the closest there is. We, the EQC is a little bit better, uh, bigger. The EQA is a, a lot smaller. So the EQB is really Model Y segment. Uh, in in terms of specs, I just I think they're showing that they're a little bit behind here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it seems like a little bit smaller than the uh, Model Y, but we'd have to check the specs specifically. No, I is, I, is I it check bigger? them. It's a uh, it, it's the it's slightly bigger, uh, except for the height. I think the height of the Model Y, but but again, the height is always like they, they take the peak of the height, and so yeah, right. it, it might look taller, but actually, like the some section are taller, others are not. So. I don't know. It seems like a nice car. Uh, obviously, getting these in numbers to the U.S. and and beyond is is kind of important at this point. Right now, it's China and Europe. Yeah, it's just the hundred kilowatt charging just hurt me a little bit. Like, uh, I mean, I know that in terms of uh, battery pack, sixty six, it, 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 like it's similar to what you, you'll find in uh, some version of the Model Y, but the it, the charge rate and of course the efficiency of it won't be as good just because of the form factor which they went with a, a more traditional suv look uh which again looks looks beautiful uh very similar to the glb but yeah maybe the bigger battery ahead. pack will be able to charge faster i would hope so um if we uh, look historically with the eqe bigger battery pack eqs it would but uh i don't know what's their plan here uh, then the other two Mercedes-Benz vehicles that were on Villa at the show after that were, were two concept vehicles, which we, we're not, not always super excited about. But in, the, in these cases, uh, it's pretty clear that, that, we're, that they're going to become production vehicles at some point uh, just because of uh, how um, Mercedes has been operating, trying to launch an, an electric version of um, electric vehicle in each and single one of their segments. Uh, the, the, the big surprise was this one here, the EQG. Uh, the um, G-Class SUV all-electric. Uh, though, to be fair, the, uh, the, okay, the, did they unveil some specs on it? No, not really. No, it's just, just the, the designs, right? Yeah, for the most part. Well, that's still something because, uh, I mean, if you look at the design of the Vision EQS and all the different uh, concepts that they have for each vehicle, they, they were pretty close to what uh, they ended up unveiling. Just look at some of the uh, electric design accent. So maybe like this little lightning, lighting here in the back or uh, everything that looks a little bit like gimmicky, that will probably not make it. But other than that, it's, uh, I mean, it's a G-Class. You could see it anyway. Like Yeah, yeah I, I think the G-Class is a, kind of an aspirational car. It's, it's nice that uh, Mercedes uh went with that i think they're i don't think they come in under a hundred thousand i don't know what the prices are but i know they're quite quite steep 
the G class. Yeah, they're super expensive and they're popular in the US and some markets because uh, especially in the US where they get uh, that like super AV vehicle tax break. Uh, so that makes them pretty popular. Yeah. And and not necessarily off-roading people. So it's like soccer moms and, and dads with the uh, midlife crisis. Happening. Yeah. I don't think they, on, they also released a timeline for it, right? No. No. Uh, I think they did for the next one, though, the the uh, Maybach uh, SUV. So, Mercedes-Benz also has this Maybach brand that's like the super luxurious brand. And this one is an extremely plush version. I was the, uh, I was a bit disappointed that because, the, of course, with the Maybach, they're famous for their interior being super fancy, like pieces of heart. You, didn't, you wouldn't even want to sit in them, really. You just want to look at them. Um, I'd want to sit be there. Afraid that, like, yeah, <laughs> I'd be afraid that like my jeans would like will, <laughs> will stain the the beautiful white leather that they have. But um, they didn't even have the interior concept at the show. They had the exterior. They had the whole like exterior concept, but the interior wasn't wasn't anywhere near like like that at the picture that they released. Uh, but so in this case, they they actually said that this vehicle right here that they're showing is near production. So. Uh, basically, you're gonna have a full size SUV, uh, probably something based on the EQC uh, that uh, that's already on the market, uh, but make it a full super luxurious Maybach version. Uh, no, actually, so I say EQC. I, I mean EQS because um, Mercedes is actually like I'm not following the naming scheme on that front, but because yeah. the EQS I thought was always like S class, the 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 the, the sedan. But they're actually talking about launching an EQS SUV. Right. And that's apparently coming uh, next year. And now they're going to have a Maybach version of that SUV. So it's going to be an SUV even a little bit bigger than the EQC. And it's going to be called the EQS. It's a bit confusing. And again, like the uh, GY and the G Class, they didn't uh, release and expect. But since it's going to be the EQ, it's going to be based on the EQS SUV. We assume that's going to have the same powertrain as the EQS, so 108 kilowatt hour charging, maybe not 400, uh, not charging, but battery pack, maybe not 400 miles because of the different uh, form factor, but still. Nice car. A little bit more pictures. I think all the rappers yeah. are going to want one. <laughs> yeah. A little bit more pictures of the uh, interior here. I mean, I like how they don't have cup holders in the back, they have champagne holders. <laughs> that's right. They look. Too small to hold anything else than champagne. Oh, oh, place for lotus flower too. All right, the uh, other concept that uh, we reported on that was on Villa at the show uh, on uh, Monday morning was uh, VW came out with uh, the ID Life. So it's gonna be it, again, it's a concept. It's not a production vehicle, but this one, what made it really interesting is that VW made it clear that this is a preview car for what they already confirmed to be like the upcoming cheapest electric car, uh, still based on the EMEB platform, but a, a version, a smaller version of the EMEB platform that's uh, even smaller than what we have right now with ID3. And it's going to be extremely cheap. Uh, so you have it here. And I mean, it's going to jump at everyone's high, but everyone, when they see it in person or in pictures, they're like, this is a mini. <laughs> Yeah, or even the wheels, or even that Honda uh, E thing that came. Yeah, out. Honda E. Yeah, yeah. The form factor is pretty similar. It's but it's a it's a good form factor. It's not like they're copying an ugly thing. 
And I agree. And twenty four thousand or whatever. What was the base price? Twenty four thousand. Twenty four. Well, that was something that, that translated. Uh, just uh, I changed it. Um, they, were, they were talking about twenty thousand euros. So I don't know how they're talking about twenty thousand euros because, of course, in Europe, not only they have to include that when they're talking, but in this case, they're they, uh, they, they're talking about a future car. So I don't know. Like it's not like they're talking MSRP or anything like that. So I don't know if they have to include that or incentives or any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, they released some spec for it. Um, again, we're talking about, they made it clear that this is going to be a preview of, I'm quoting here, I'm quoting uh, Ralph Brenstater, the CEO of the Volkswagen brand, a preview of an ID model in the small car segment that will be launching in 2025, priced at around 20,000 euros. Um, so a car coming in 2025, maybe it's going to look a little bit like what they unveil right now, sure. In terms of the specs, I'm, uh, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. Uh, talking about a drivetrain, front-wheel drive, 172 kilowatt, uh, powered by a, a 57 kilowatt hour battery pack. So it's a decent size battery yeah. pack. It's going to get you over 200 miles of range for sure. On the EPA standard, I mean. They're talking about 400 kilometers on WLTP. They had this thing in it where the front uh, windshield could become a projector. And uh, there was a video game console, so it sounded a little bit like Tesla. Tesla made a big deal of uh, having a video in console and for the back, powering the back screen in the new Model S. And they did the same thing with, with the projector on the front of the car. You could also lay, uh, put the front seat flat, sit in the back seat, and have like a full experience uh, for movies or video games. Again, all of that stuff is like concept car stuff. Yeah, and we, we kind of accidentally walked into a, a designer uh, talking about uh, all the ideas of, of the car and it seemed like, you know, kind of whimsical and fun. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time, that's the kind of thing that uh, sells cars, you know, like all these like little extra things that it can do, especially at a really low price would be pretty impressive. I think. Yeah. I mean, we, we just talked last week about the $25,000 Tesla car and uh, Elon was talking about no steering wheel, uh, full self-driving and everything. That's also aspirational. <laughs> so right. you, you, can, you can gain too much. And uh, if you have a projector system like that in 2025, the, that car could also be self-driving. So we don't know, like maybe that would, uh, at that point it would make sense to have, uh, to have that in there. All right. Do you want to do a quick uh, ad read? Sure. Uh, Our thanks again to Electrify America. This episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Electrify America. Electrify America now operates the largest public ultra-fast electric vehicle charging network in the United States. And now we have a few recent updates on the network. Electrify America is now coast-to-coast with more than 650 EV charging stations with new locations opening every week. It now offers ultra-fast charging stations with speeds up to 150 kilowatts, and 350 kilowatts for capable vehicles, allowing you to charge up as fast as possible and get back on the road. EA offers a new monthly subscription plan with contactless payments through its mobile apps, and with it, you save up to 25% on charging. If you're an EV driver and want to learn more about Electrify America and its growing network of charging stations across the U.S., find out what they're up to at electrifyamerica.com. That's electrifyamerica.com, or hit up the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Electrify America for sponsoring this week's show. Yes, thanks, Electrify America. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty much it for for the, the big news coming out of IAA this week. 
Um, we, we did have some fun walking around the show too, looking at uh, some of the vendors there. There was some impressive uh, technology that they brought in. Uh, nothing too crazy, too newsworthy, but we had a lot of opportunity to do some test drives too. I know that set, uh, you, you, you got some uh, high speed on the Autobahn on the AQS. That was fun. Yeah, that was, we got up to 216 miles per hour in the unlimited zone. And it, I mean, no, 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 kilometers. That would have been a little bit, well, kilometers an hour is already nuts, but miles per hour, that would have been a little bit yeah, crazy. It's, it's like 135 yeah. miles per hour, which is, you know, pretty, pretty good. And it didn't feel like it. I mean, you guys were in the car too. Like, it kind of felt like well we were in the back getting massaged by the, right. the back seat of the eqs which is i mean that car is insane it, it really yeah that, that car is a new level of luxury i mean micah and i were in the back playing with the little ipad screen that they have there is choosing between like six seven different massage setting while set was being explained the the level three driving system which that that i wasn't too impressed by to be honest uh, but Apparently, it's not too much Mercedes' fault in terms of like what they could show us in there. Like, they just have a lot of limitation in Germany of what they can test, uh, on, what they can demo to people, yeah. I should say, uh, on public roads. They needed to have uh, a traffic jam basically to to, to show it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we did a hit one. It worked, but the car was. I mean. Like when there was a semi truck coming on our right that was hugging the lane, and then the the EQS started hugging the lane on the same side of that truck for no reason. I got a little bit nervous there for a second. Yeah, I um, I think overall it's pretty solid. I I thought it was interesting with the and so we had an engineering uh, guy driving us around, or or yeah, for that part he was driving. Um, and it, it was interesting because for Mercedes level two is the driver's responsible, and that's kind of you know like Tesla like. If your Tesla is on autopilot level two and it hits a, you know, a fire truck, that's your, that's on you. That's your fault. But level three mm -hmm. Mercedes is like, that's on us. So if something happens on level three, that's Mercedes's fault. And, uh, you know, that includes speeding. So in level three, you can't go over the speed limit, which in Germany, like who cares? It's mm -hmm. the speed limits, you know, infinity, uh, mm -hmm. someplace. So. Uh, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, level three moves the responsibility from the driver to the, the car. And so you have to be a lot better, you know, you have to be a lot better than um, uh, level two. And then, you know, he was talking about, well, I was like, you know, so, all right, you know, at, the, at level three, you can start checking your phone. You can start reading emails. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't go to sleep. That's that's some that's level four or level five. Yeah, that's interesting. There's still driver monitoring, but it lets you not pay attention. It's like passive to a know. degree, to a degree. Right. So yeah, no sleeping, but you can you know, your hands are not on the wheel. You can look at it in other places. But um so it it'll be interesting to see. I think you know, Mercedes is on track to kind of deliver that. Uh, full level three, you know, in steps, like right now they're at 60 kilometers per hour. Next step is 80, then 100 and 120 and then, you know, other stuff. Yeah, that's the important part. It's not for long distance driving right now, like uh, like the slow to pilot. It, it, it's, it's about when you're stuck in traffic, basically, in bumper to bumper, because as soon as it's accelerated too much, you have to, to get off of it. So like when he says like, oh, you can send emails and things like that. Yeah, but... <laughs> To a degree, because as soon as you get out of traffic and you start accelerating a little bit, then no email anymore. So yeah. it's not as useful that it can be, but it's uh, they're pushing the limits. 
They're pushing the limits, which is interesting. I don't know. What else uh, did we look at? Oh, well, it was fun. We had our own boot and a lot of, uh, of you guys, of uh, podcast listeners, went and said hi. And we appreciate all of you for, for coming. It was fun meeting you guys. And uh, yeah, no, that, was a, that was a fun week for sure. And then and today, well, no, technically it's still open tomorrow, but uh, t- today with the protest uh, all around the, the city, because the, the show was both at the conference center uh, in Munich, but also spread out throughout the city. And uh, just, just today, the bu- a bunch of protesters from the movement, they call it Block IAA or IAA. And um, they, uh, they took over the, the Mercedes booth that's just behind my, the place where I'm staying right now. And uh, they, uh, they had uh, those banners that were saying, uh, the car is dead. There's no cars. Like it was a kind of a, an anti-car protest, really, which was interesting. Yeah, it's weird because uh, IAA or EAA is like mostly about electric vehicles. And, you know, like we're, we're kind of set up in the mobility area. Like there's a mm-hmm. huge chunk of the conference that's dedicated to, you know, alternate forms of transportation. So, I mean, I've been to a lot of auto shows uh, and, you know, we should note that I, I, you know, paid for us to come out and gave us a booth and all that. But um, I've been to a lot of auto shows like this has been the most forward looking one that I've been to that I can think of. Um, but, you know, the huge one in terms of the, the big one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the... Uh, the anger is misplaced. It'll be interesting going to the uh, conference tomorrow. I, I understand there's going to be more more uh, protests, so we'll be on yeah. our bikes. Hopefully, we won't wreck again. <laughs> yeah, we've been having some issues on the bikes here in Munich. Uh, I crashed a scooter. Seth crashed a bike, and Micah crashed everything. <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe not everything, but a few, a few things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they put the uh, he was he was riding a cake, uh, one of the new cake. Yeah, uh, that one wasn't it wasn't as on fun. gravel. Yeah, but I did get it on film, so maybe that'll hit the uh, the IAA roundup video or something. <laughs> yeah, be on the lookout. We have a lot of video film uh, this week. We just didn't have time to to put them out there because we. We have our normal workload of articles to write, and we show up at the, the show and everything. It was a, it was a big week, but uh, it's a lot of content that we're going to be able to put out in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but then we can. It's, it wouldn't be an electric podcast without some Tesla news. So let's uh, let's get to the Tesla real quick before we we leave you guys, because uh, otherwise you might um, hear us snore on the podcast in a few seconds. Uh, something that happened just yesterday: Tesla um, release what we were expecting for a while now since the vehicle have been sported on the Nürburgring here in Germany. Uh, the Plaid Model S, they brought a few vehicles there and they, uh, they attempted them a new record, which, which they did. Uh, they, they, beat, uh, they beat the production electric car record on the, on the track with a 735, 7-minute uh, 35. It's a, it's a long track, the Nürburgring. It's, a, it's, a, it's no joke. Uh, so it's a 735 lap. Uh, which uh, makes them the fastest production car. Uh, not the fastest uh, fastest production car, electric car. Uh, it's not the fastest production car yet, because uh, uh, which which is kind of a bummer. We would want them to beat uh, the the um, uh, ice engine. They're the fastest right now. I think it's a Mercedes, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, Mercedes AMG GT 63S at 7.27. So it's it's getting pretty close. Uh, we're, we're getting we're getting closer here. Um, 
full size car production full size cars of course because uh, I mean you have to be careful with the term of production car because if when when you go into the like hyper car that they produce a half a dozen of them per year you can get some some pretty uh, insane insane times there uh, but because uh, we keep in mind too that the Model S is still like a five door sedan full size family you can sit five maybe seven at one point um but yeah uh, we were expecting that and you can check out the whole um the whole video here uh they, they released the interior which i thought was funny i saw some of the more like uh rabid tesla fan were, were like oh this is proof that the yoke was a brilliant idea no it's not <laughs> this this is a race car experience here with no like look at that guy he's going 150 right now 167 there's no problem with the yoke steering wheel at those speeds <laughs> like it's perfect for those speeds it's made for those speeds really yeah but try, uh, it's try when you go at super low speed spot, you know or the supermarket yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's see him pull out of the uh, of the parking in Nurburgring instead of uh, going on the street. And even even the turns here, like he's still going a hundred. Like, there's nothing. Like the Nurburgring is a difficult track, not because of the like crazy tight turns and everything, but because it's built for speed. Like you can maintain high speed throughout it. Like the slower he gets, is like seventy ninety or something like that, which again is no problem. He's at two two twenty six two thirty. Too like that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, that's what we did on the autobahn. Yeah, yeah. Well, now now he's going higher, two forty five, two fifty, and I think I think that's pretty much the. This is the straight that he goes the highest, two sixty five or something. Yeah, I think he hits two sixty five. It's it's impressive stuff nonetheless. And I, I guess I'm not hating on the on the on the yoke. Like it, if this actually had the option of like a round steering wheel and a yoke, and a, I'd, I'd be buying a plaid, I'd probably go with the yoke just because it looks so cool. Uh, so I agree with Elon on, on that, but at the same time, like I, I'm going into it knowing full well that this is super bad for low speed, and also more importantly, probably uh, for if you actually like slip, if the car slips, and you, you need to do a quick readjustment, because then even if you're going at higher speed, it's like the car goes uh, at low speed because you have, you lose traction. So um something to think about like this the, these kind of turn he's taking them at 80 kilometers an hour people this is this is crazy but it's super cool that this achieved that nonetheless but yeah the whole like this proved that the yoke is is good like uh i don't think they understand the actual complaints with the yoke and um, moving on uh i'm i'm confused with my days right now that uh, that was posted yesterday but i think it's the day before that and that um they actually, Elon sent the email. We obtained the full email from Tesla employees here. And it's uh, it's the traditional go all out, go super hardcore, go whatever at the end of the quarter for the deliveries. Nothing unusual with that. But um, you kind of always have to read between the lines that he's email to like Elon chooses his word carefully with those emails. He knows that it's going to be going to go public and he knows it's going to leak. So uh, it's important. Like I, sometimes they're completely meaningless they just like, like go go super hard but uh in this case i thought there was a few interesting tidbits of information in that email that that are worth talking about uh first off the first part of that is no surprise tesla had massive supply chain issue affecting production during the first half of the quarter duh but what i thought was interesting is that elon specified that tesla actually kept producing those cars during that time and the parts that were missing were added later by different teams. So something that uh, Tesla often does when there's a containment hold on cars. 
All right. The other interesting point is that um, Tesla is, well, we discussed that earlier this week based on a, a company-wide phone call that happened last weekend. But um, we said that Tesla was trying to temper a little bit those delivery waves at the end of the quarter. Something that he's been saying for years that's going to happen. It, it never happened. But this time, he's looked a little bit more insistent about it. Talked about it on the company-wide call last weekend. And now he's saying again in the email that they're aiming to temper them. Um, they are looking for Q4 this quarter. And the way I was uh, thinking about it is like the, 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 with the um, production starting in Berlin, production starting in, in Texas... Uh, even though it would be like somewhat lower volume production in Q4 because they were just starting out, that would already help them a little bit to to smoothen their the curve in terms of the exportation and use more um, local production. But in the email, Elon actually says that they are aiming to uh, temper the delivery wave ne- next quarter by letting more delivery slip into Q1. I thought that was an interesting approach because. Like, that's what Tesla is always trying to avoid. Never have productions slip, produ- production in one quarter slip into deliveries into the next because that's where it's bad for the financials. So maybe Elon is expecting Q4 to be extremely strong financially wise, where like very strong deliveries regardless. So it's not going to matter, which could make sense because, of course, like the, he knows where the production is at right now. He knows. Like Tesla knows exactly what the demand is for the end the next year in terms of um, new orders. So maybe they're they're seeing that oh this is going to be a smooth a smoother quarter where we don't have to push hard at the end of it. I don't know, but I thought it was an interesting yeah. And maybe point. maybe investors are going to be more forgiving because everybody's having production issues right now. Yeah, but that's going to be that's the third point that's very interesting. That's important. Is he said that they are aiming for decent Q three delivery numbers. So that's not an Elon word. Like decent, <laughs> normally it's not in his vocabulary. So uh, I think we should temper expectation here for the for Q3s uh, if Elon is saying that he's just aiming for decent number at this point. Of course, he could always be downplaying it. We, we never know. All right, I thought that was an interesting one too. Um, I have some sources that uh, confirmed to me that uh, the full self-driving beta software, not the whole source got of it. Like, at the, like since I posted that, people like misinterpreted it, even though I was clear that it wasn't the source card. But uh, the uh, binary firmware files of the FSD beta uh, leaked, and they're available out there uh, in the uh, root access Tesla community. Uh, there have been several versions of the software that has been passed around. And apparently, it's not uh, in any nefarious way. It's just people in the root community can push those software to their car and actually use FSD. And if there's if it's out there and people can use it, people are gonna want to use it. So uh, it's been passed around, but it's been apparently been uh, several sources told me that it's been around, but they've been keeping it quiet within the the root access community, and not to alarm Tesla that uh, it has leak out there. Uh, until this week, uh, a guy in Ukraine ended up posting a video of himself using it in his car. Uh, it was an older version, 8.2, but still. And he, he sort of confirmed that it's out there, that the, the software is out there. Because, of course, Tesla is not is not actually testing in Ukraine. Tesla is not even officially selling cars in Ukraine. So, they're certainly not testing FSD there. And um, But this guy managed to upload it to his car. 
And uh, people were like, ah, this is just an 8.2 version, everything. Uh, my sources also confirmed that uh, much, much more recent version, uh, including the 9 and up, are, have also leaked. So something to keep in mind here. Interesting development on that front. Can you install it on your Volvo though? Can't, can't do that, can you? No, 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 no. You definitely need the Tesla uh, FSD computer. Uh, you need all the sensors. and need... But I'm sure that there's some Chinese companies oh. that would be very interested to get access to that. But again, it's not a source card, source code that leads. It's a binary firmware. So, so a company that, that would be doing it nefariously would, would need a car with root access. And then they would be able to push the package to their car. And then they could be able to use it. Uh, so then, of course, that's extremely valuable too because you, you get to push the limit of the system and try to understand it and do a bunch of testing. And I've been told that some people have tried to approach people in the root access community to buy the system from them. But uh, from what I've been told, those approach were unsuccessful. So like, that's what I've been told. Of them. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a wild one right there. Do you remember said a ways back, uh, I think it was last year, Tesla applied for a patent on using laser beam to remove debris off of the off of vehicles and solar roofs. <laughs> uh, like this image that I put together here with my incredible photoshopping oh, skills is yeah, that's wow. mine. Is actually is actually not that far <laughs> off because look at the patent image. It's basically it's basically hit. <laughs> you have those like laser beam coming out of it and like hitting some kind of debris on the on the windshield. Like that's it. <laughs> it's it's pretty close. I mean, unless they, they might not be as visible as this, but still pretty close. Um, and this week, Tesla was actually granted that patent, <laughs> believe it or not. So they hold the patent on cleaning up windshield with debris. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying that they will necessarily like replace windshield wiper with with laser beams, but with self driving cars keeping your sensors view and in case of tesla the cameras uh, out of any debris is really important so i don't know if a bug splatter in front of the the glass where the camera is you could laser beam it put it to dust and then maybe use your actual wiper to like clean it out and everything so it's it sounds a little bit extreme Especially in the context that just like a few weeks ago, Elon was like, oh, we're going to do humanoid robots and we're going to do it because uh, if we don't do it, someone else will. And we don't know if that's going to be safe. So we're going to do it where it's going to be safe. And then at that time, he also described Tesla's own cars as robots because they have like AI system in them and they can actually move around like robots. So now he's talking about putting AI into robots and giving them laser beams. So what could go wrong there? Nothing at all. All right, last one. The last piece of news here was that was a doozy this morning. So we haven't been talking a lot about direct sales lately, and uh, that's generally a good sign to mean that uh, Tesla and other EV startups are not running into direct sales issues. But there still are issues out there. There still are a handful of states out there that prevents automakers that never had any franchise dealership, never had any relationship with car dealers to operate their own stores. They force them to go to third-party franchise dealership and it's all based on old laws that are being misused by dealership association to create some kind of monopoly on car sales uh, and prevent competition. And uh, it's the case in New Mexico. 
Tesla, uh, until now, didn't have any stores in Mexico, any service centers either. So if you wanted to service your car, you had to go to a neighboring state. Um, but Tesla actually managed to get around the, this ban this week by opening a store uh, just outside of Santa Fe. And the way that they found a loophole is they opened it on tribal land. So interesting loophole from Tesla here that they could potentially use another location. However, of course, uh, it's only useful that tribal land is close enough to a big center where there's enough Tesla owners to actually open a service center. But this one is actually really not too far outside of Santa Fe, which uh, I think Santa Fe is not the biggest. Like Albuquerque is the biggest city in New Mexico, right? Uh, Santa Fe is like smaller, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, you, you would think that if they open a store in New Mexico, they would start with Albuquerque. But uh, it's probably because they, there's not a lot. There wasn't the option for a tribal in close enough. But it's interesting. Uh, there was a bunch of politicians there at the opening, though, that uh, are favorable to this, to changing legislation to uh, uh, give access to Tesla. And also, like, now it's becoming useful for, for Lucid, for Rivian, who are also looking to open their own stores. And uh, those laws are mainly being introduced in a way that um, it's especially for electric uh, vehicle automakers uh, to, to be allowed to open their own stores, which I, I think is dumb in the first place. Like, it's... Like, uh, I, I mean... I'm all for EVs. I want more EVs on the road. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. But at the same time, that's you're defining the purpose. It should clearly be any automakers that doesn't have franchise dealership uh, partnership should be allowed. Like this, this was the, the this would be the right correction to those laws. But anyway, at least uh, if EVs are about to are, are allowed to be sold in the state, that's already a, a plus in my opinion. All right, should we go into the questions real quick before we yep. call it a night? All right. Uh, please, can you clarify the UK requirement for provision of charger in new construction means type 2 or just a pre-wired junction box? Some will want different EVSE. Yeah, that's in re- reference to a story today about um, the UK getting or requiring uh, 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 new home constructions to have chargers i don't think it's been stipulated um i I took a look at the report um and the the link to it we're talking about you know eight eight to ten years out here so i think probably you can expect just a you know a a type two plug a uh a high amperage to 240 type of thing um i don't know if you took a look at that um yeah i mean i've i haven't looked at this particular one but all of the requirements uh, i mean this this was a bigger story i think because um it's a as a na- national level but this these kind of laws have been applied at the municipal level and state level for a while now and uh i i think in all cases if mo- most cases at least it's always just pre-wired and everything they don't actually like require you to have a level to charger there all right, uh, Dan uh, uh, says, uh, do you all have any idea why Tesla shares took a dive in the last 30 minutes? I was just looking. No, I, yeah, I've seen that, uh, but I, I couldn't find anything in particular either. But the, the, I think the broader market also took a dive in the last 30 minutes. So Tesla is always, is always exponentially worse than the market or better than the market. Like, so. Yeah, uh, Kathy think. Wood, uh, it was announced today that uh, ARK Invest uh, was selling a lot. Yeah, of but I think that was like in the morning today, though. Yeah, maybe it just hit. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Vincent Perez, does the VW ID Life concept look like a small SUV, or is it just the pictures? Actually, if you think 
a, a mini is a SUV, then th- that's what it looks like. I don't think it did. Well, they have mini SUVs now. Yeah, they <laughs> they do. Like, like the countryman or mini SUV. Yeah, it didn't, seem like a, strange. it didn't seem like an SUV to me. I mean, it, no, it's a small car. Yeah. yeah. All right. We stood next to it and it's, it's small. With the SUV craze, perhaps the Tesla Model 2 might look more like that, a smaller Model Y rather than a hatchback. Uh, yeah, it's possible. It could be a shorter Model Y or something. Uh, when do you guys think Tesla will announce a new Gigafactory location? Uh, where might it be? Sooner mm-hmm. rather than later, I would think. Yeah, they they were talking about uh, something in the East Coast area um, in the U.S. And I, I'm a, I would imagine that places like South America, um, maybe another one in Europe. Uh, yeah, South America would be hard, I think. Um, India. India would probably be the the most likely, but again, it looks like now at this point, Tesla is very much engaged into this idea of like, let's enter the engine market first, let's make sure that we we set up there with some superchargers, some stores, and some importation, and then uh, greenlit, sorry, um, a Gigafactory. So, I I, I don't know if it's going to be the next one. Uh, like you said, East Coast, um, maybe even Canada would be would be smart. Like uh, Canada has had like a tough time too with uh, keeping automakers lately. But uh, I think Ford is making some investment to producing electric cars on Canada. GM too uh, would be cool for Canada to have like a factory up north and also more on the east uh, side too to, to to produce there. Yeah, there's uh, Lionel, but, Lionel uh, Electric up there, Quebec near near where you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because now Tesla also has like other vehicle programs to think about too, like uh, Tesla semis. Is it just going to be produced in Texas? Okay, I mean, th- there's the thing too. At the same time, Texas and Berlin are massive factories, so my Tesla might just look to expand on them before ever uh, starting production on another one. But at the same time, like they learn so much from building those factories that they they want to use that knowledge on the new one and like don't make the same mistakes and whatnot. Yeah, uh, so that's the last uh, cat question, but there is another question. There are there are the electric station wagons. Every European will choose a station wagon model over a sedan. I can't understand the strategy of the manufacturers. So I think I think that's not true. Like I think SUVs are also uh, kind of a hit here in in Europe, at least from what I've seen around town um, and here in Munich, but. Um, I would like to see a station wagon. I know the uh, Porsche Taycan Cross Turismo is quite popular. I mean, what's the real advantage of a station wagon? Really, like you're lower, but what, like people do, they prefer to drive lower. Or is it like garages are lower? Like, what's the real advantage here? Because uh, I don't, I don't see it that much. Because SUV being a little bit higher, I mean, there's the efficiency probably a little bit, but not not that much. Yeah, for me, it's just like, it's a little bit more like a sedan. So you get the driving dynamics of a low car, but that's not great for carrying kids around. Yeah. A bunch of people said that we missed their questions, but I look back and I don't see them. So yeah. I don't know if there was an issue with the with the comments uh, today. We apologize if there was, but yeah, the comments are limited. So I think, I think there might have been a bug earlier that uh, prevented some comments from showing up. So a bunch of people are saying that we didn't get to their comments and I scroll back and I just don't see them at all. All right. Uh, so we apologize for any issue. 
But anyway, we wanted to cut it short a little bit today because it has been a long week, a long day. Uh, it's almost 11 p.m. here. And we still have some work to do tomorrow too before Seth heads back uh, to, the U- to the U.S. And I'm hanging out a little bit longer in Germany, though not, not really for work, just to uh, make it a mini vacation before I go back. So thanks a lot for listening, everyone. Thanks a lot for Electric Fire America for sponsoring the podcast this week. And uh, we're going to see you uh, same time next week. Have a good one.